Quite a bit of uh, hustle and bustle there with the, with the young ones. Hopefully you're not so rambunctious during our time together, but nonetheless, we'll see. If you will, turn to Matthew chapter 21. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 21. Of course, I guess if you were going to slide down a big slide, you'd be pretty excited about that too, wouldn't you? Uh, hey, I know something you can get excited about. Imagine having barbecue after the preaching and the response. Huh, boy, wouldn't that be nice? Well, guess what? You're in luck today because that's going to become a reality, we pray. and so. But before that, let's be fed spiritually this morning by the Word of God, which is like to us uh, bread, bread of life. And so I want you to turn to Matthew uh, chapter 21, and then I would like for you to just sort of turn also further deeper into the New Testament to Galatians chapter 3. Just sort of hold your finger right there at Galatians 3. And and then we're going to go there and read just briefly from that passage. Notice these words from Matthew. This is one of my this is one of my favorite little parables that Jesus tells and yet I've never preached on it. So uh, so this is a new thing. Notice this. What do you think A man had two sons. And he went to the first son and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. Skip over to Galatians 3.27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Let us pray. Jesus, thank You for Your holy Word. We pray now, Holy Spirit, author of these words, that You would be our interpreter this morning and say things that no human can and that we might respond to You in true faith And love, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Recently, I was at a sporting event, I think. Jessica would probably know more clearly. I should have asked her beforehand. But I heard these kids walk by me. And, you know, as as we often say, the kids say the darndest things, you know. One of them walked by and he said, he goes, you can't ask her to be your girlfriend yet. You have to make her your best friend first. And, of course, Jessica and I sort of chuckled about that and laughed about that. But don't you like to see kids trying to figure it out? Especially when they're trying to figure it out rightly. You know, that's, that's a pretty good way to go about it, right? Let's be best friends first, right? Before we go into other things. And so, you know, I like to see as a teacher, for instance, people figuring things out. And especially these precious children that were just with us, it's a, it's a blessing to watch them try to figure things out. Oftentimes as a pastor, as a preacher, as a teacher, I feel like I'm the little kid that's talking about things that are really above my pay grade. 
I'm speaking about things that I really don't understand fully. You ever feel like that as a Christian? God is not a subject you can just sort of understand and put up on the shelf any more than you can put your spouse on the shelf and you're finished with them. No. There's something magical about persons. And God is the one who made us. So if we're complex, if we're mysterious, if we are sort of inexhaustible as people, imagine Him. And yet we dare, we dare from this pulpit and pulpits all over the world today, dare we speak of Him. And yet we do. We do. We proclaim Him even though we've not seen Him fully. And that may be a problem for some. That is a problem for some. But I want to do a little experiment with you this morning, much like I did sort of with the kids there. And I want us to pretend. Let's just for a moment pretend. Now, you know just as well as I do that there's good pretending and bad pretending, right? So when you're pretending with a pretense or a motive that doesn't lead to a good result, obviously that's, that's bad. That's bad. Your motive is bad. And apparently in our story here with the parable of the two sons, the second son there has bad motive. In other words, he said, ah, oh, sure, Pop. I'll go do the work. And he just sits on the couch all day and plays video games. The other son says, no, no, no I'm not, you know, I just don't have the time to do that, Dad. I, I can't do that. No. But then he gets thinking, oh, man, Pop's old. You know what I mean? He's going to, if I don't do it, he's going to get out there and do it himself. So then he goes and does it. Jesus says, which of the two did the will of God? The one who just simply spoke it? Is that the will of God? Saying, oh yeah, I love God. I, yeah, sure. I, God's, me and God are tight. You know, we're close. He's my homeboy. <laughs> and we never live it out. Never does anything other than come off our lips. Or the one who doesn't necessarily have to do the talking about it and yet does it. It's the one who does it. It's the one who does it. To illustrate this, I I must share an event that happened to me many, many years ago, many moons ago, and that is my first date. Uh, The first date I ever went on was when I was actually 16. Just able to drive, and I asked this girl to go on a date with me. And so, you know, when you're doing something for the first time, you have to actually sort of pretend you know what you're doing. You know what I mean? Look, I know as smart as you are at your job or whatever you're trained to do, the first time you do it, you have to kind of pretend and you want other people just to think that you know what's going on. In fact, you're, you're trembling. You know what I mean? You're sweating it out. And here I was on my first date, but I wanted to act like, you know, yeah, no, this, yeah, you would just, yeah. No, I was scared, you know what I mean? Uh, and here I was pretending that I knew what I was doing on my first date. Then, lo and behold, the worst of worst things happen is on my very first date, a car comes by with a pack full of people doing this number. It was my family. It was Justin in the car with mother and father. And I'm like, then I started doing a different kind of pretending. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, I don't know what those people were doing. Hmm. Who they were, right? Maybe in a comical way, that introduces to you two kinds of pretending. One is pretending in order for a good purpose. The other is pretending under pretense. 
You're trying to cover something up. One is pretending to hide something. The other is pretending to get better at it. We've all done this before. We do it at work all the time. I mean, the first time I taught at a college, I mean, I pretended like I knew what I was doing. Just got to pretend. First time, I'm sure you did your work. You had to pretend until you actually knew what you were doing. Most of life is at least starting out, we pretend. But that's okay. Kids do that, don't they? You did it as a kid. I used to love to pretend. And actually, psychologists tell us that pretending for children is actually very, very healthy. So when they throw on my size 13 shoes, come clopping across the floor, bump, bump, like, what is that noise? And some little toddler comes in with these big shoes on that don't fit him exactly. The psychologist will tell us, hey, that's a good kind of pretending. He's trying to be like his dad. He's trying to be all grown up. There's also a deeper kind of pretending, a more virtuous pretending that we do sometimes. Even the worst of us do this sometimes in the best of settings. In other words, if you're in a proper place, you kind of feel a weight to be, well, proper. I mean, as an adult, as Jessica and I try to communicate to our children, as an adult, peer pressure doesn't go away, does it? I mean, when you're in a room with a bunch of people that are dressed up, that are acting all proper and eating like this, normally you don't slouch and just start grubbing. You don't want to be the odd man out. And so we do something, and that is we pretend. We pre- I'm, I'm starving to death, but you know what? I'm going to cut properly too. These guys would hurry up, you know. When I was in Northern Ireland, they eat really strange there. They take their fork, which is, you know, a fork shaped like this on the end. They turn it over and they put the food on the back part. They scoop it up with a knife and then they eat off the back of the fork. I'm like, guys, let me show you how it's done in America. You know what I mean? That You wonder why we're bigger? Here's why. We use it like a shovel. That's the way it's made. Who, Who digs up dirt on the back side of the shovel? No, 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 no. We pretend. And sometimes, even in our worst moments, we pretend because it's better for us, and not only for us, but it's better for somebody else. In other words, I may not be feeling well. I may be angry inside about what's happening, but instead, I still treat you in a professional manner. We do this at work. We're told to do this at work. Don't bring all your baggage to work. Pretend. You know, we talk about loving God and we talk about loving our neighbor. The Scripture speaks of this and says these are the two greatest commandments. But I'm afraid that in our own culture, the term love has been eclipsed with what we mean by it or what Hollywood means by it or what our culture has hijacked it to mean. We don't even understand love anymore. I kind of like going back to the old school term that Lewis used, C.S. Lewis uses in Mere Christianity, which is charity. Charity is the older term for love, which has its root in the Greek word charis, which is grace. Have you ever noticed that when Jesus calls us to love Him, He doesn't call us to have feelings for Him? Like... Where in the Bible does it say, you need to really feel great about God? Before you come to Him, you should just really have this feeling experience. Yet, that's what we mean by love oftentimes, isn't it? That I feel something for someone. The problem with that, of course, is what happens when those feelings die? Because we all know, no matter what you get yourself involved with, 
feelings won't last. First time you fly an airplane, or first time you're flown in an airplane, it's a feeling of exhilaration. You'll never get that back. First time you do something, this great grand feeling, you'll never get it back. And just like a drug, it wants us to chase it over and over again, trying to recreate it. That's not what love is. That's feelings. We don't have to feel this or that for God or for mankind in order to be a Christian. Instead, charity goes deeper than feelings. Feelings, we often simply say, are surface level. And they are. The virtue is sacrificial love. A love that says, you know what? Even though you're mistreating me, I'm going to continue to treat you like you're the image of God. Now, how does that change the workplace? How does that change what comes out of our mouth? You see, there's a pretending that we can do that actually leads to Christ. I read to you Galatians 3.27 and just simply says, just as you were baptized, you put on Christ. Paul says it again in Romans. At the latter part of his letter to the Romans, he says, you have put on Christ. You can't continue to act the same way because you're putting Him on. It means that you live as Christ in this world. Now, wow, that's quite a put on, isn't it? I mean, do you know me? Do you know you? How much do we look like Christ and yet we're told you are a Christian? Christian just simply means little Christ. Christ representative. One who follows Christ. That's not based on your performance. Notice. When you are born again, when God comes to live in you, you are His child. You are His son and daughter. That's a positional thing. In other words, He says, you are forgiven. You are My Son. And yet, we look at ourselves and say, "Woo, not a very good one. One of the things I tell my children often is I say, I'll say, you know, to Frankie, who's Baylor, I say, buddy, you are a good boy, so be a good boy. Notice what I'm saying to him. I'm speaking over him a truth And then I want him to follow that up with action. This is what the Scripture calls us to do when we're born anew. We're made new. We're made His child. And yet, we find something in us that still is trying to subvert that. We find that there are motives. And so what I'm saying is, Paul is encouraging us. Jesus, in this parable, is encouraging us. If you have to, pretend like you're Jesus in certain situations. You may not feel like it, but pretend like you love people. Pretend that you're going to forgive them. And by pretending, one day the pretending can stop and you can start being in Christ fully. What you'll find, just as a child, as they're pretending to wear these shoes, one day really will walk in my shoes as an adult, having a calling upon their life. Just as you used to argue and play as a kid, now you argue and play and work as an adult. Those days shaped you, and so is what you do with your body. I found it very encouraging. Uh, a, an article I read 
this past week about Mother Teresa. She was just canonized as a saint in the Catholic Church. But they released some documents that had nobody really ever looked at with her. And it said that she actually doubted at times, had deep doubt. She said sometimes she didn't really feel like going out and loving on children in India, in the slums. She didn't get up and really feel like sometimes doing the will of God. And yet, she did it anyway. Her doubt, the church views, is not a bad thing, but instead negative faith. You know, we only doubt real things. In other words, none of us leave a Superman movie thinking, man, I wonder if he's really out there. I wonder what his will for me is. I wonder if I'll ever meet him one day. Now, we understand the genre is not historical. People don't do that with Jesus. When we come to Jesus, things get real sobering, don't they? There was a person who lived whose name was Jesus who started Christianity 2,000 years ago. That's a fact, Jack. No one disagrees that. Nobody. Well, unless they're in an asylum. No. We have to deal with that. He made a claim that no other world religion founder claimed. Did you know that? He's the only one who claimed it. Gautama, who's the Buddha, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't claim this. Nataputa, who's Mahavira, and Janet, he didn't, he didn't, no, he didn't claim this either. Only one founder of the world's religions claims something, and that is, I am God. He shows up and claims he is not just the sign or the spokesman, but the thing itself. We have to deal with that. Everybody has to deal with that. And don't think that the world's religions are avert to Jesus. They love Jesus. India today has their revolution, had their revolution, and has, is the largest democracy in the world because of Gandhi, who, guess who he was reading about how to transform India? Jesus. Civil rights movement, who was Martin Luther King Jr. reading? Jesus. The way wasn't to answer evil with evil, but rather, even in the midst of racial hatred or a caste system that would have you stay in the slums, they pretended at times to still love. Because trust me, what was welling up inside wasn't always love. But it matters what you do. Are you hearing me? Here's the difference with Mother Teresa. Even though she had doubts in her mind, you're not just a mind. You're a body. She had a body faith that actually trumped mind faith. We think Christianity is just about believing in Jesus in our head. No, it is living it out in our body. You're not just a head. You're not just a mind. There's a lot more to you than that. 
I always often say, if you don't believe that, if you don't believe humans are complex, just go try to run three miles right now. I know after those donuts and stuff, try to do it right now. What you'll find is a deep conversation in yourself of why are we doing this, may I ask? I'm burning down here, your body will scream. Your mind will scream, you're an idiot, I don't know what you're doing. Your will is going to say, I'm going to make you throw up here in a second. See what you're going to do then. You're going to have this conversation with yourself that's going to be pretty deep. And it's going to happen all within the first five minutes of your run. You know what? Some of us need to have a gathering, a staff meeting with ourselves, And when you say, you know what? Mind, you may have some doubts about Jesus, but that's okay. We doubt real things. We question relationships. There's no relationship in this room that doesn't have a smidge of doubt mixed in. If we're honest about our relationships and love relationships, brotherly relationships, we doubt certain things because they're real. Because relationships are real. And she had a real faith that changed the world because she didn't just stop with her mind. She did it with her body. Nike has a nice saying, just do it. It still works. Just do it. We sometimes teeter in our mind so long that we become paralyzed in our body. It's time to say, you know what, I'm more than a mind. In other areas of my life, I may not have it all figured out up here, but I still flip the switch. You don't have to understand how electricity works in order to use it. You don't have to understand that everything there is to know about God because quite frankly, you never will. Thankfully, understanding is not a prerequisite for baptism, communion, or faith. You just got to do it. You just got to do it. The Scripture also calls us in Ephesians 5.1 to be imitators of God as dear children. Literally, he says, just like putting on new clothes. You know how it is when you get, even guys, you know, you get a new outfit, new shirt or something, you know. You just feel like a hundred bucks, maybe a million bucks. You feel like you can do, I mean, if you have a job interview, just get a new shirt. You'll just feel better about it. You'll feel more confident in that new shirt. Something about putting on new clothes. We're just like, all right. Nobody else notices, of course. But we're like, right on, man. You know what I mean? I got this thing. And everybody else is like, what? Oh, okay. Uh, But we feel better. And you know what? Paul says in Ephesians, he says, look, put on Christ like putting on a new garment. We also do this thing, and you've seen it before at graduations, you've seen it before at weddings, you've seen it before in church, where people wear certain regalia, certain special clothing at special times. In the military they do this as well, they dress up. At prom you do this, or maybe did this. And you dress up because you're participating in something that's bigger than yourself. When that general walks across the stage in that uniform, that uniform means something. That's why police don't just walk around in regular clothes. Because when we see the uniform, we understand there's some authority there 
because he's wearing something that is greater than himself. When we put on Christ in baptism, Paul says, we're putting on something that's bigger than us. It's greater than us. And yet we get to participate in it. We get to walk around in Christ with His love lavished upon us, His grace on us. We're not the same people anymore. The devil wants us, the enemy wants us to feel like we're dirty, to feel like we have rags on. Not if you've put on Christ. Not if you put on Christ. He says you are a new creation. And that's a positional thing that He wants to make an actual thing in our life. In other words, pretend until you actually do love people. Look, if I had to... Um, if I had to like my kids all the time feeling-wise, boy, I'd just be in constant prayer. About that one issue? No. When, when they come in after doing something crazy, which is often, especially with five of them, except for the last one, she's perfect. But The other four, they do crazy stuff. And I, I don't always feel for them, and yet I love them. I choose to treat them better than myself. I actually want those little stinkers to be better than me. In other words, I don't try to just bring them up to a point where they're going to be still under dad and dad's still the smartest and the strongest. I want them to excel beyond me. You know what? That's God's intention for you. He's like a father. He's the kind of father who doesn't want to just share a little bit and still keep us down so he's the big shot. He doesn't think like that. He doesn't try to protect himself like that. Instead, he opens up wide and pours out everything he can possibly do. We are the snotty-nosed toddler who refuses to listen. But instead of imitating the enemy as liars, unrighteous, wicked, let's imitate Jesus. Let's imitate the Father. Let's imitate the Comforter Himself who is the Holy Spirit who comes alongside to encourage us. One of my favorite quotes from Zig Ziglar is if you want to make, or sorry, if you want to be happy, then make somebody else happy. Isn't that so true? You make somebody else happy and all of a sudden you feel happier. So in those moments where we want to protect ourselves, hide, where we want to be bad, which is always easy to do. Being bad is so easy to do. It's being good that's tough. Let's choose to pretend that we are in Christ. Not just some chump from the street that came from an ape, but instead a son, a daughter of the High King. One that has at our disposal all of His resources. Just imagine living like that for the rest of the day.
Not moping around, I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't love my wife and she's done this and blaming this and that. Not that way. Not that way. Imitate Jesus. Imitate God Himself who will make it possible for us to do. Let's pretend you're not a liar. Let's pretend you're not a pervert. Let's pretend you're not greedy. Let's pretend you're not selfish. Let's just pretend that you're not angry. Let's pretend you're not lonely, depressed, a drunkard, unhappy, smarter than everybody else. What if we pretended like that? How would that shape how you look at the next person? Talk to the next person. I think it would shape it like this. You'd be loving, friendly, virtuous, giving, honorable, happy, encouraged, sober-minded, and truthful. Isn't that what we like of other people? Don't we like virtuous people? We should feel better in their presence. Someone that you know you can trust. Someone that you know is not in it just for them, but would actually give you what they're doing. That's somebody I like to be around. Why not be that person? Because that person is trying to be like another person who is the person of reality, Jesus Christ. And the good news is, for all of us, He wants to make that a reality in our life. He wants to bring that home. So let's stop pretending He didn't die for us. Let's stop pretending that He doesn't love us. Let's stop pretending that the world revolves around us. And let's start pretending like Christ. Forgiving people. Cherishing our spouse. Love the traditional vows there. To cherish you. Look, I'm going to do some pretending. Doesn't come naturally. You notice? Like a baby. It's the craziest thing in the world. You, you think a baby would know how come out knowing how to sleep, how to eat. Let me tell you something. They don't know. It's nuts. Never seen people that didn't know how to sleep. Sounds like a torture chamber at my house at night. It's time to go to bed. What is that? Ah! That's how we are sometimes, isn't it? Love people? What? I have to forgive people? I have to treat them better than myself? What is this nonsense? It's reality. We're the one living as a child. It's time to grow up. It's time to grow up to be who you were called to be in Jesus Christ and start imitating Him in your body. And what you'll find is that faith leads to right actions toward both God and other people. 
you can live a life. It's the last thing I'm going to say this morning concerning this. You can live a life that's fulfilled, abundant. Don't miss it. Not on this friend day. Not on this friend day when we're trying to pretend like we like you a lot. You know? That's what I told my baby. I don't care what you feel in the morning. You got to love people. Just pretend that you like them. And through pretending, a reality will, will be planted in us that if we'll let it with right motives, it'll grow into a great tree where others can come and be fed. Amen.